We are officially three weeks into the 2023 Major League Baseball season, and the Orioles at 11 and 7 are playing on a 99 win pace. I'd say that's pretty good, but not everything has been good. Some players in small sample sizes have been good, some not so much, and that always causes hot takes and overreactions early in the year. So I wanted to hear your hottest takes, your biggest overreactions, and I'm going to react to those coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, April 21st, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, I am fielding your hottest takes, your biggest overreactions from the first 18 games of the Orioles 2023 season. We're three weeks in. What do you feel strongest about? What are your takes? I'm going to take a look at them, and I'm going to grade them here on today's pod. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So with the Orioles being off on Thursday night, just completed a quick little two-game sweep of the Nationals, off again Thursday, and then back home at Camden Yard starting tonight with the Detroit Tigers in town, thought with the off day, it would be time to do kind of a, a little bit of an Orioles reset on the season. We're three weeks in, 18 games, they're 11-7, and seven, been playing good baseball, won 7 of 9, but as usual, and you get them more and more as the team has higher and higher expectations, which the Orioles do this year, you get hotter and hotter takes flying around about the Orioles. So I asked you, the listener, give me your hottest takes that have to do specifically with the first 18 games of this Orioles season. I wanted to hear how much some of you are overreacting. And so I solicited takes from you over email, on YouTube, on Twitter. I got almost 100 responses. So thank you so much to everyone who sent in their takes. So I scrolled through some, and on one episode, I only got time for about nine. Very similar to the mailbag episodes. Only got time for about nine, even though I get some great questions. Because of that, maybe thinking about in the next couple of weeks doing another one of these episodes to get to more of your takes, because this was very, very fun to put together. But here is how this is going to work. I have nine takes, all from you, the listeners, that were sent in over the last couple of days. And they're supposed to be super hot takes, maybe big overreactions, I am going to grade your take. So here's the scale. Goes from A+, which is this is the most correct take I've seen on the Orioles early this season. This is either already true, it's going to come true, you have hit the nail on the head with this one. It goes all the way down to an F, which is this is the worst and dumbest take I have ever heard on the Orioles. So that is your scale. I'm going to take your takes, I'm going to grade them out, there were some really good ones here. This was fun. So let's kick it off. Our first one comes from Zach Cahill, who says, here's his take. We will see the iconic Felix and Adley hug to end the All-Star game. I loved this one to start it off because it has a couple of factors in it. It says Adley and Felix Bautista 
both make the All-Star game. It says Felix Bautista closes it out, gets the save opportunity as what you would think is the AL's best reliever. And it has the American League winning the All-Star game. Now, I gave this take a B. The reason why it's as high as a B is I agree with Zach. Adley and Felix should both be all-stars right now. Adley's been amazing early in the year. Felix Bautista, after a couple of shaky outings, has just dialed it in as the Orioles' closer. It's been a great combo. The reason why this is not an A-plus, lock it down 100%, is for two reasons. One, even with how good Felix is and how good he was last year, I don't think he is like a household name enough yet that Dusty Baker would go to him to close out the All-Star game. Quite frankly, if Ryan Presley, the Astros closer, is an All-Star, he's probably going to him. He might go to a guy like Emmanuel Classe, who has maybe more exciting stuff, a little more known, before he would go to someone like Felix Bautista. But I think the bigger issue is the fact that I don't think Adley Rutschman is going to be catching in the ninth inning of the All-Star game. Because the way he's playing... He's going to be the starter behind the plate for the American League. And as you know, if you've watched the All-Star game, the starters never, ever play nine innings. They play maybe five at the absolute most. So Adley, he's probably going to be out of the game at that point. And sometimes, depending on how many catchers they put on the team, if they carry three catchers, sometimes it's that third catcher who catches the ninth inning. Adley certainly won't be third, and I think he's going to be the starting catcher, which means even if Felix closes out the game, It's not going to be Adley behind the dish, but I do agree with Zach that both looks like are going to be on the all-star team. Let's stick with Felix Bautista here with our second take of the day. Comes from Anthony Cavallaro, who says, Felix Bautista will lead the league in saves in 2023. I gave this take an A-. minus. I think this is pretty good. Now, Let's assess where he is currently. Felix currently has five saves. That is tied for third in all of baseball, also third in the American League. Jordan Romano of the Blue Jays has seven. Emmanuel Classe of the Guardians has six. And then Felix is tied with David Bednar of the Pirates and Josh Hader of the Padres with five saves each. Now, he really should have six. If Ryan McKenna could just catch a fly ball... Felix would have six. Instead, that is his one blown save. So you could argue he's made the pitches to be successful in six out of six save opportunities. Now, the reason I gave this an A-, and I think this is very likely, is that the Orioles seem like they're going to play some close games this year. And whether they are a lot of 10-9 to games or they're games like this week, 1-0 and 4-0 against the Nats, they're going to play close games. Brandon Hyde has already showed this week that even though he's not willing to pitch Felix Bautista three days in a row, he's certainly willing to pitch him three out of four, four out of six, even five out of seven it looked like he was going to do on Wednesday night before the Orioles got that one run in the ninth to go up four and Felix sat down and Mike Bauman came in to finish off the game. So he's going to pitch a lot. The Orioles should win enough games. And Felix, I mean, right now, He's got five saves in 11 Orioles wins. If you think the O's can win close to 90 games, Felix can get 40 saves. Plus, that can lead baseball in 2023. So I like the take from Anthony. Next take comes from Dwayne PJR, who says, The Orioles will win 100 games this season. 
Now, as I said at the top, the Orioles with their 11-7 record through 18 games. They are on pace to win 99 games. That is a 99-win pace. Now, 18 games out of 162, generally a little early to say what you're on pace for, but hey, they are. I'm sorry, Dwayne. I give this take a D. I'm not going to give it an F because it's not impossible, but when you look at what the Orioles have on this team, specifically the starting pitching right now, I know it's looked better over the last couple of days, but it was helped that they faced the worst offense I can remember in the big leagues with the Washington Nationals the last two nights. You add that in with the fact that the division they play in, you got the Yankees. I mean, they still haven't played the Blue Jays. They still haven't played the Rays at all. Those two teams look really, really good this year. You also still have to play like all those good teams in the National League as well. And even if the Orioles had the talent of a 100-win team, I just think with the competitiveness of this division, with all five teams look like they can make the playoffs, they're going to beat each other up enough. And I get that there's less division games this year than there ever have been, but I feel like they're going to beat each other up enough that nobody's going to get to 100 wins in this division. Not even the Rays, who are 16-3. and three. I think they'll come back to earth and not get to 100 wins. So because of that, and specifically because, I mean, the Orioles have, at best, the fourth most talent in the division. You could argue the Red Sox have more talent. I would still say the Orioles do. But there's no way they have a more talented roster than the Yankees, the Blue Jays, or the Rays. There's just no way. They didn't add enough in the offseason. I think the ceiling for them is just slipping into the playoffs as a wildcard team this year. It is not 100 wins as much as I'd love it. So I give that take a D. D for Dwayne. But we got six more takes to get to. And these were very, very fun to talk about. Coming up next, a little bit about Cole Irvin, Adley Rutschman, and Heston Kerstad as we get into some more player-specific takes. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, if you're a ticket person, you may be a season ticket holder, but I know a lot of you just kind of buy game to game to go see the Orioles. I mean, for me, I live right down the street, so I just kind of buy tickets right before the game when I feel like going. And buying those tickets, they shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets with their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing and start getting hyped for that event. Now, Game Time, this is really the place for last-minute ticket deals. I'm on the app a lot looking for deals. They even have flash deals as well. They are the best that right before a game, you get flash deals for tickets and they cut that price. And Game Time, they've got the Game Time guarantee which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. And it's super easy to find tickets. You go on there, you just search Orioles, and boom. It's got every single ticket right in front of you. The app is really easy to use as well. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So three weeks into this 2023 Orioles season, I know you all had takes. And we're getting to those takes on today's episode, and I am grading out your takes. We are getting to our fourth take of the day. This comes from Vivek Shukla, who says, Cole Irvin will not make it back into the Orioles rotation in 2023. I'm going to give this take a C-plus for Vivek in terms of how likely it is to be true. Now, on the side of Vivek could be right, the Orioles do have five good starters right now in the rotation 
and none of them are named Cole Irvin. Kramer, Bradish, Rodriguez, Gibson, Wells, at least the last time through the rotation, looks pretty solid. And this could be the rotation for a while here if there's no injuries. And Cole Irvin, of course, he was demoted last week after three terrible starts. He did start Tuesday night for Norfolk. He was better than he had been in the big leagues. He finally pitched deep into the game, threw six innings, gave up two runs, didn't really strike out guys, although it's not his game. He was fine. He was better, but he should be going down to AAA. And also, you've got other options down in AAA if you need to. D.L. Hall is building himself up. Spencer Watkins is down there. He's already been in the bigs for a couple of days this year. The Orioles trust him, I think. They know what they're going to get there. Bruce Zimmerman's down there as well. And at some point, you're getting John Means back, probably right after the All-Star break. So you have options. The reason I'm at C+, is because you still don't know about Dean Kramer. It's been three bad starts, one good start against the Nats. You still, I think, don't quite know about Tyler Wells. Kyle, Kyle Bradish has only made one start. And as much as I want Grayson Rodriguez up here, the Orioles have tended to toy with him a bit so far. And if anything happens in the next couple of weeks, whether it's an injury, somebody struggles even more, or whatever it may be, Cole Irvin, as long as he gets like at least two starts in AAA, he's probably going to be the first guy they call on to come back up, especially if there's an injury. So I just think at this point, once he makes two or three starts in AAA, the Orioles traded for him. They are bound to call him back up as the next option. I just think at some point, even if it's just a couple more starts, he's going to come back up and pitch. I get where Vivek's coming from, but I think it's a long season. He's a guy who, when he's good, eats innings and really helps out your team, helps out your bullpen in the dog days of summer. I think he's got to come back at some point this year. Next take comes from Dennis Dolia, who says, Adley Rutschman will finish top two in American League MVP voting. Remember, Rutschman finished number two in Rookie of the Year voting last year. I'm going to give this take a B from Dennis. First, I'll start with why it's not an A. Adley is amazing. Adley is one of the best players in the American League. But the American League is loaded. And Shohei Otani, as long as he is healthy and not traded to a National League team midway through the season, Otani you can pretty much pencil in for either one or two in the AL MVP. He's just that good as a pitcher and a hitter. So really there's only one spot left in the top two. And with the existence of Aaron Judge and Mike Trout, and then the great starts to the year for guys like Yandy Diaz, Kyle Tucker, you know, players like Jose Ramirez will come on. Matt Chapman's been amazing this year. And with all those guys being on good teams, it's going to be tough to break in there. Also, if the Orioles don't really keep themselves in the playoff race, you're just not going to finish top two, I don't think. But here's the flip side of why it was as high as a B. Adley Rutschman so far this year has played all 18 games. He's slumping a little bit over the past couple of games and still hitting 309, a 447 on base, leading the league in walks with a 515 slugging, a 174 WRC plus, ninth in the American League, and his 0.8 F4 is 14th in the American League. His value is only going to go up war-wise as he catches more and more, and that bat's going to stay where it is. He's got a chance. I wouldn't predict it, but he's got a chance, especially if the O's are good. If they are in the playoff race and get into the playoffs, it shouldn't, but it matters in MVP voting. That could be the thing that puts him over the edge. And even if Otani wins, which again, if Otani's healthy and stays in the American League all year, he should be the MVP. But if Adley keeps this up, he could certainly finish second. 
Our next one comes from Logan Sears, who says, Heston Kerstad will find his way to Baltimore in the major leagues by September. Now, this is a good one because Kerstad said in spring training when he was finally healthy that his goal is to get to the big leagues this year. And we all said, that's great. That's amazing. That's what you want to hear. But this guy has never played an upper minor leagues game. He had never played a double A game. Well, he started the year in double A and Kerstad's been amazing. So I also give this take a B because you know what? I would have given it a C a couple weeks ago or maybe a D. Heston Kerstad's kind of convincing me. I mean, he's a little bit older because he came out of college, 2020 draft. We know the injury and the health issues in his past, but he's healthy now and he is mashing. In 46 plate appearances in double-A Bowie coming into play on Thursday, Kerstad was hitting 282 with a 391 on base and a 718 slugging percentage. Let me say that again, 718. He has a 197 WRC+, which basically means he's about twice as good as the league average double-A hitter right now. He's got five home runs. He is mashing the baseball from the left side. He's playing a lot of first base, which is interesting because that's kind of a hole in the Orioles system right now. Now, they do have Lewin Diaz in AAA, but he's not a prospect. He's a guy there to play some first base for the Orioles. Ryan O'Hearn is on the roster right now for the O's. They sent Kyle Stowers down. There's a spot there to be had. Now, I think somebody has to struggle. Either Austin Hayes or Anthony Santander, maybe Taron Vavra have to struggle. Ryan O'Hearn has to not stick. Maybe Kyle Stowers has to keep struggling to the point where he doesn't get recalled up at some point this year. But if one of those guys struggles big time and Kerstad keeps hitting like this, you know, he gets to AAA after the All-Star break and keeps hitting, he's old enough and experienced enough where if the O's are in a playoff race and they feel like they need a big left-handed bat, and Stowers and O'Hearn just aren't doing it, he could be that guy. Kerstad could absolutely be that guy. And I get Colton Kowser is going to be in this scenario as well. And Kerstad would need, need Colton Kowser to struggle a little bit too. But it could happen. I'll give it a B. I'm kind of buying in to Heston Kerstad right now. Kerstad's pretty good too. And so I'm not going to say it couldn't happen, but it could happen. Let's get to the next one because I told you I was going to do nine, but there's a 10th one in front of me that's too good. So let's just keep it going. We're going to go with 10. So here is our next hot take of the day. This comes from Mike Ginsburg. Jorge Mateo will be an all-star if he's healthy. Now it's good to add the if he's healthy. Mateo did leave the game Wednesday with some right hip soreness. We haven't really gotten a true update from the Orioles yet as of recording here about 7 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday evening. Hopefully all is good. I'm going to give this take a A- minus, to be honest with you. If he's playing like this and he's healthy, how are you going to keep him out of the All-Star game? Mateo so far this year, he leads all American League shortstops with a 1.1 Fangraphs war and a 192 WRC+. The dude has been insane this year. Insane this year for the Orioles. This is what they wanted. They knew he had the speed. They knew he had the defense. They just wanted the bat. The bat's been amazing. So if he's healthy, here's your other contenders in the American League. I would say your top two are Wander Franco and Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette and Franco have both been really, really good this year. They're both young shortstops. They're both on really good teams in the AL East. So they're going to be the issue for Mateo. Now, generally, there could be some other guys that would take it from him. Maybe Jeremy Pena. 
eh, he hasn't even been that good. Maybe Carlos Correa. Correa's got a 79 WRC plus so far this year. He has not been good. And then Bobby Witt, who's been a little above average, but not nearly as good as Mateo. If Mateo's stealing bases, if he's playing great defense, and he's hitting anywhere close to this, I don't think he'll be the starter because one of Franco or Bichette is still going to be good, and they're just going to be voted in as the starter. But if Mateo's healthy and he looks like this, he'll be on the all-star team. I mean, he's been that good. He will be on the all-star team. So that's an A- minus for Mike's take. We got three more takes to get to coming up. Talking about Gunnar Henderson and his struggles, the Orioles' new-look bullpen, and some stolen base records that the Orioles could chase. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM, which is one of the coolest games I've played in a long time because it gives you a chance to try to be a Major League GM. It turns out it is not easy at all. It's not like fantasy baseball. It's not like MLB The Show. It's much more involved. You really feel like you're the general manager of a baseball team. You are in charge of hiring coaches and staff and managing the finances. You're scouting and drafting players, managing personalities, injuries, going through free agency, the trade deadline, and everything in between. And it's all in a challenging and a realistic game world. You play on the go. The app is free. You can play offline. It doesn't really drain your battery. You can also compete with your friends as well. I'm competing with the other Locked On MLB hosts. I'm not doing well, but I'm competing. And Locked On Orioles listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So three more overreactions slash hot takes to the Orioles' first 18 games to get to as I'm grading them out here on today's episode. The next one comes from Phil Hager, who says, Gunnar Henderson simply can't and won't be able to hit a breaking ball. I'm going to give this one a C plus from Phil. Here's where Phil has some merit in his argument. Gunnar Henderson, since being called up on August 31st of last year, quite simply has not hit the breaking ball. He, last year, had 39 plate appearances that ended with a breaking ball. Only five hits. That's a 156 average. This year, Henderson has had 22 plate appearances that have ended in a breaking ball. Zero hits. He does not have a hit against either a curveball, a slider, or a sweeper so far in 2023. Not only that, he has a 58% whiff percentage on breaking balls. That means, essentially, if you round up, out of every five breaking balls that Henderson swings at, he's swinging and missing at three of them. That is not a good rate. And that is pretty much the big reason why he has struggled so far this season. He's still hitting the fastball pretty well, but guys are just throwing him breakers. Lefties and righties are throwing him breaking balls. And he's laying off a good amount of ones outside the zone. He still has a high walk rate. He's still been a productive hitter because of that. But breaking balls in the zone or pitches that go from strike to a ball and, you know, are too close to take, he just can't hit them right now. I mean, if you combine it, it's 61 plate appearances that have ended in a breaking ball and five hits in his big league career. That is not good. That does concern me a little bit. Here's the flip side for Phil. He's 21. He's really good. Amazing prospect pedigree. 
hit breaking balls in the minor leagues. He's going to figure it out. I talked about it earlier this season. Henderson was going to go through a slump. He really didn't go through one in his first month in the big leagues last year. Pitchers were going to readjust in the offseason. And I figured that slump would probably come early in the year. Now, I didn't think it would be from the get-go he'd be slumping. But that's where we are. It's still only 18 games. He hasn't played in every single one of them. He will get better. It is concerning, which is why I gave it up to a C+. But it's not in the B range because, again, he's young. He's a rookie. He will get better. The next take comes from Andrew Rice. He says, we have our new, legit back end of the bullpen with Mike Bauman, Yenier Cano, and Felix Bautista as the 7-8-9. I'm going to give this take an A. Now, Andrew, this is a good take. Mike Bauman has been phenomenal. He's got a .87 ERA. He came in and closed out the game in the ninth inning Wednesday. Now it was a 4-0 game, not a safe situation, but the stuff has been nasty. Yenier Cano has just come up on Friday... And he's been like the Orioles' most reliable reliever. He's not walking guys anymore. I think he's retired almost every, if not every, batter he's faced this year. Sinker's amazing. Changeup's amazing. Good slider. Just thrown into every scenario so far. Pitching in the 7th, 8th, and ninth, and just getting everybody out. And then Felix Bautista. I mean, he's the closer. He's one of the best in the game. There is some issues in this bullpen. But it's... It's gotten a lot better. And Yenier Cano has been a big part of it getting better, as has Mike Bauman. Now, here's the one thing I'll say. This is the reason why this take was not an A+, Andrew. Is that I still think right now, even with Mike Bauman pitching well, that 7-8-9 is actually Brian Baker, Yenier Cano, Felix Bautista. Basically how the Orioles planned to do the game Wednesday night before they got that fourth run, they went with Bauman in the ninth. Because even though Bauman did pitch the ninth inning, and even though he did pitch two scoreless innings in a tie game Sunday against the White Sox, he still has not gotten one of those super high leverage spots in a game. Like eighth inning, up by one. They've gone to Cano and Coulomb and Baker and Bautista, but not Bauman yet. So that's why I wouldn't put him in that 7-9 group. I would say Brian Baker is seven, Cano eight, and Bautista nine. I would even put Danny Coulomb in that group over Mike Bauman right now because you get a lefty in there, kind of replaces CNL Perez, who was in one of those roles last year, and that's how good Coulomb has been so far this year. But if I can see Mike Bauman in just a couple of those scenarios, you know, one or two run lead in the eighth, he comes in and gets it done, I would slot him in right now. But Brian Baker, after a tough start, has been good enough lately. He did it at the end of last year. That I would say Baker Cano Bautista is the 789 right now. But I give it an A because it easily could be Bauman Cano Bautista. Who could have seen that coming when pitchers and catchers reported? I would have told you 789 is Bauman Cano Bautista. You would have said, yeah, Bautista. And you would have said, this team is probably 5 and 13 if that's their 789. Instead, they're 11 and 7, and these guys have a combined, what, ERA under 1 at this point. That's how good they've been. Our final take of the day comes from Milo, one of our most loyal listeners, always, always responding on Twitter as well. And Milo says both Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo will break Luis Aparicio's team stolen base record. Now, that record which was set in 1964 by one of the better, kind of more forgotten Orioles, honestly, in Luis Aparicio. 
57 stolen bases in 1964. Now that's not anywhere close to like Ricky Henderson levels, but that is the record, 57 in 1964. Cedric Mullins right now is on pace for 81 stolen bases. Jorge Mateo is on pace for 72 stolen bases. They're not going to get to those numbers because those numbers are insane. The pace will slow down. Pitchers and catchers will more so adjust as they go on to the new rules. And Mullins and Mateo will probably play a little bit less to rest their legs as the season goes on. If Mateo is injured or if he doesn't hit this well, he's not going to play every day. If Mullins struggles at all, like he'll play less. He'll get less plate appearances if he's continued to move down in the lineup. They're not going to get to 80 and 70. But I'm giving this take a B plus because they could both get to 60. It is not out of the realm of possibility. They've combined to be only caught once so far this year. I believe they're combined 13 for 14 right now. It's not going to happen often with the new rules. And the two of them stole 35 and 34 last season without the new rules. Who says the new rules, especially with the hot start, couldn't get them to 40? or 50, or 58. And again, they got to get on base. Mateo would probably have to keep up this level of offense. Mullins would have to pick up the level of offense a little bit. But could they get to 58? If they're playing at this rate and they both stay in the everyday lineup and stay healthy, I think they could. I don't know if that's going to happen for both all season, which is why it's only a B plus. But it would be awesome to see them both break the record and kind of fight for the all-time record as the season goes on. But thank you all so much for sending in your hottest Orioles takes, your biggest overreactions from the season so far. This was a lot of fun to record this episode. And again, I got almost 100 responses, so hoping to continue this in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much for responding in. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Locked on Orioles on YouTube as well. Let me know in the comments, are you an everydayer? Are you plugged in every single day to the podcast? Let me know here in the YouTube comments. That will do it for the week here on the podcast. It's the Orioles and the Tigers coming up this weekend. Tigers are playing better baseball. They've won five of their last six, but this is still a bad team that the Orioles lost five of six to last year and was one of the biggest reasons why the O's didn't make the playoffs. They need to turn it around. It all starts tonight. Tyler Wells goes for the Orioles in the 705 game at Camden Yards against Michael Lorenzen, who has a 13.5 ERA this year. O's should win that one. Saturday is also a night game, 705. Kyle Gibson goes for the Orioles in that one. For the Tigers, they are going with the left-hander Joey Wentz, who actually pitched incredibly well against the O's last year. He's got a 639 ERA this year. And then there's the Sunday day game at 135. Grayson Rodriguez will be the starter for the O's. Tigers have not named one yet. And then I'll be back on the podcast here on Monday, recapping the entire weekend of Orioles versus Tigers. Hopefully it's another O's series win, and hopefully they can continue to beat up on the bad teams. And really right now they are in the middle of the soft part of their schedule. But again, I'll be back on Monday to recap the Orioles-Tigers series. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.